Hello, this is Robert Barge. Welcome to Redemption's Table, where every week we will gather around this table with a special guest to explore the most appetizing ingredient in this menu called life, redemption. I believe in redemption. I believe everybody hungers for redemption, everybody. And the truth is, redemption is all around us every day. It is a recipe that God the Creator sets before us every single moment of our lives. Unfortunately, so much emphasis is placed upon the bad, many have difficulty seeing, experiencing, and tasting the good. So I'm setting out on a journey, going table to conversation, to accentuate the reality of redemption in the lives of everyday people like you and me. A reality that, I believe, finds its ultimate expression in Jesus of Nazareth, who is the not-so-secret ingredient to the redemption we all seek. So, come hungry, join the meal, because Party of Redemption, your table is now ready. Welcome to Redemption's Table. Here we are, we are in the midst of the Advent season. It's Christmas, it's December. Very exciting time of year, my favorite time of year. And all through this month, every podcast guest, this is going to have a holiday flavor. Last week you heard Michael Adler uh, step into the wondrous, and, and we're going to pick right up with that today. We have another Michael coming to the table, my good friend, Michael Krause. Michael, welcome to Redemption's Table. Thank you, Robert. I always let the podcast guests choose where we eat. Where are we today? We are at... I would say probably the world famous Chris's Hot Dogs uh, in uh, on Dexter Avenue in Montgomery, Alabama. Montgomery, Alabama. How how old is this hot dog place? It is 102 years old. 102 years old. I wonder if there's another place, a hot dog place in the country, that is as old as Chris's Hot Dogs. Not that I know of. Probably maybe in New York City. Uh, yeah. No, I think that that the. Uh, this is second or third generation. I think it's third generation now. Wow. Uh, the Katichas family. Okay. I think it's the one that started it. Good hot dog. I had a couple of hot dogs. Uh, evidently, it's the same recipe they've been using for over 100 years. What did you have? I had a special hamburger, which is a double patty hamburger with onions, ketchup, mustard on a bun. Okay. I've known you for six years now. Here's how you come across to me and have always come across to me. There's several things about you, Michael, that fascinate me and make me go, wow, that's incredible. Number one, you are a single parent. You are a dad raising a daughter. She's a teenager now, uh, Amara, and I think that's really, really cool. That's the first thing. The second thing about you that is just, you have always had this incredibly positive attitude, as long as I've known you. Third thing, you are someone who has a great sense of wonder about you. Always learning. We were just sitting here. Where did you go last night? You were telling me before we started recording. What did you do last night? Uh, my daughter and I drove down to Troy, Alabama. I uh, went to the Troy University Library to look at a collection of, uh, well, somewhat ancient text um, from the Remnant Trust. 
ancient text. We're not talking about LOL. Uh, no, not LOL. <laughs> uh, the most ancient one was a uh, cuneiform tablet. Okay. Uh, that was from 2500 BC. Um, they also had, uh, I guess, one of the most interesting pieces that I enjoyed was uh, a scroll of the Torah uh, from the 16th century. Yeah, handwritten, right? Handwritten on wow. antelope skin. Wow. And that blows my mind. I, I love those those kind of things. And you, you said that particular exhibit had been there for a few months. You'd been intending to go. And that's where y'all went last night. It's about a 40-minute we drive. It is about a 40-minute yeah. drive down there. So I just think that's cool. I mean, you just have that kind of fascination about you. Always, you know, wanting to learn or wanting to experience something new. So that's awesome. You are also, your vocation in life, you're an audiologist. That's right. Okay. Um, and so my first question to you, Michael, the audiologist, is do you hear what I hear? Do I hear what you hear? Uh, I, I hope so. You hope so? <laughs> We would have to measure that. We'd have to measure. Well, I probably need a need a test. Uh, well, actually, uh, what you hear is really considered a perception. Okay. Uh, the sound would be called a sensation. Or from my background, I come from uh, cognitive sci psychology background. So, um, uh, from a cognitive perspective, a sensation creates a perception. So, it's not always that what somebody hears is going to be the same thing as what somebody else hears because mm -hmm. everybody has an individual perception okay okay and see and my, my follow-up question to that in everyday language what are we missing if we all hear differently uh, or have different perceptions what are we missing and I'll my limited I like to use that word underline that word limited understanding of sound is that there's so much around us uh, different decibels, different levels, things that a, a canine, a dog would hear that we can't hear, or the insects, there's things, you know, on that level. What are, what are we missing? Uh, not necessarily what we're hearing, but what are we missing going on around us? Well, that's, a, that's an excellent question. Um, probably the easiest way to answer that would be like an analogy of the night sky. You know, within the city, you see a, a limited amount of stars because of the light pollution. But if you go out into the desert and look at the night sky, it's just full of like a river of stars. I mean, it's uh, just incredible what you can see when you get away from the light pollution. Kind of the same way with sounds. Um, the natural hearing mechanism is designed to hear from 20 to 20,000 hertz. Um, there are subsonic sounds that we don't hear uh, below 20 hertz, and there are uh, extremely high pitch frequencies that we don't hear, but animals are very sensitive to, uh, or, or birds, mm -hmm. uh, especially birds. Uh, birds can hear very high pitch sounds. That's how they kind of echolocate their prey. So, but in the real world, we also miss sounds if we have, if you're in a noisy environment, some mm -hmm. sounds may be masked. Uh, uh, if you're 
somebody that works around noise, uh, there's a high probability you have what they call noise-induced hearing loss, uh, which occurs between three and 4,000 hertz. Okay. And a lot of your high-pitched constant sounds fall in that frequency range. And so constants usually make up the beginnings and ends of words. If you have a hearing loss in that frequency range, then you may hear somebody sound like they're mumbling because mm -hmm. you're missing those constant sounds. Okay. Um, so that's just kind of an idea of what some people hear and what some people don't. I want to ask you this question. Do you believe your role as an audiologist makes you a better listener? Yes, I do. I think that's one of the qualities that got me into audiology. Uh, listening is very important because you're trying to understand the, the need of your uh, patient. Mm -hmm. um, I think listening is probably one of the uh, one of the problems that most people have. We don't take time to listen. Uh, we were really never taught to listen. You know, we were taught to read and write and, uh, and speak, but we never really take time to teach people how, how to listen. And not just, I guess, listen with understanding what they're saying. Okay. With intuition. Uh, I think we listen to what people say, but then we're preparing to respond back without really processing what somebody has said first. Yeah, I think allowing ourselves those delays to process, it's like, You'll be in conversation with somebody and somebody has a fast-paced conversation. And if there's ever a pregnant pause, somebody's got to fill that pause with a word. And you know, you're right, it's just... Uh, it's kind of like a conditioning from our culture because a lot of your uh, television, radio, you know, all your commercial outlets, there are no pauses. Mm -hmm. Or if there is a pause, you know, because they're afraid that you're going to turn the station if there's a pause. So they fill every second with some kind of some kind of a um, message. And uh, so we're kind of become conditioned that we think that's how we have to communicate also, which that's not really a natural way mm -hmm. to uh, talk with somebody if you really want to hear what they're saying. I have to confess, I think I fall into that trap. <laughs> we all do. We all do. Like I said, yeah. it's a conditioning process. Yeah. Uh, you kind of got to be intentional about stepping back and, you know, taking the time to just to be still. Kind of like, uh, even God kind of recommends that. Yeah. <laughs> if you want to hear what he says, you got to be still. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to hit on that in just a few minutes. Yeah, be still and know that I am God. Yeah. Uh, Psalm 46.10. I know you talked about one of the reasons you got into audiology. How did you get into audiology? Uh, well, I got into audiology kind of through, um, I, I feel like it was a divine inspiration. Okay. Uh, I used to practice a discipline called Lecto Divino, which is called divine reading. Okay. And uh, that's where you take time out every morning to kind of read uh, scripture and study scripture, and uh, through that uh, through that habit, uh, there were two uh, kind of two things that inspired me. One was the Shema, 
or the Shema from the Old Testament. Mm -hmm. It's like the blessing uh, that the priests would, uh, you know, give the people when they gathered in the desert. Uh, and that blessing started out here, O Israel, the Lord your God is one. Okay. And so that kind of implied to me that hearing was an important part in having a good relationship with God. He wanted you to hear what he had to say. Wow. Uh, and then the second inspiration came from the New Testament, where it says uh, faith comes by hearing, hearing the Word of God. Uh, so that kind of inspired me to be able to uh, help people by helping them hear. Uh, I felt like I wanted to serve people, and uh, that was the best way I thought that I could serve them. Wow. Wow. That is incredible. That's, that's neat. As I already said, you, you seem to be full of wonder. And uh, first off, what amazes you? Or, or maybe I'll simplify the question. What has amazed you recently? And I know we talked about the, the Torah and, the, and the saw, seeing what you saw last night, but what else has amazed you recently? Well, I watched the transit of Mercury across the face of the sun a couple weeks ago. I read about that. You had to use a special lens, didn't you? You had to use a solar filter. Okay. But I just used a basic 80 millimeter wide field telescope. Uh, set it up early in the morning um, in a good location that gave me a view of the sun as it was rising above the horizon. And I think about 6.36 a.m. Central Time, um, the planet Mercury started its transit across the face of the sun. Wow. And it appeared just like a little pinhead compared to the size of the sun. Um, but just, I mean, from in my imagination to know that that was a planet out there, that little speck was a planet, you know, in orbit, that kind of creates wonder and amazement. Wow. I had also viewed that. It had been, I think 1986 was the last time that I viewed it. And, uh, but it won't happen again for another 32 years, so I probably won't be around for the next time. Mm. I might be. We might be. Well, may not be able I to see might it. be. I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> or I might not remember the last two times that I saw it. Yeah. <laughs> Let's see, and to me, that, that absolutely amazes me. Not you, you knew that was a possibility, and you and you went the extra mile to seek it out. Uh, you did something else. Was it last year? No, a year and a half ago. The total eclipse of the sun. And the total you, eclipse of the sun. Yeah, and it, where it was coming, you and Amara, you and your daughter went somewhere to be right in that path. Where, where did you go? We went to Grand Isle, Nebraska. Okay. So we had considered going up to, uh, to Tennessee. I think uh, your uh, totality, you're gonna get one minute and 41 minutes of totality in Tennessee versus driving out to Nebraska, we got a whole extra minute. It was two minutes and 42 seconds of totality. <laughs> That's a long way to go for that. That's so awesome, though, you would do that. Yeah, but, for, so you drive an extra 10 hours to get that extra minute. But, I mean, <laughs> it was awesome. There, there's a scriptural application there somewhere. <laughs> mm. 
bound to be. But that is that is neat. I, you, we've talked about. Do you have that Grand Canyon trip plan? Are you hiking the Grand Canyon? Uh, we talked about that. We had yeah. We had uh, we're planning on doing a rim to rim hike of uh, the Grand Canyon this uh, spring. Uh, spring of 2020. 2020. Okay. Uh, I think we're gonna we're not prepared to do that this next year yet. Okay. So we're probably gonna wait till a more senior year. Okay. Not only. You know, the, the, is it fitting that you come to the table at this time with do you hear what I hear? But, Michael, seriously, you could have been one of the Magi. <laughs> you could have been one of the guys because you observe the stars. You keep up with what's going on in natural wonder around you. Most of these things that we, like me, I knew that Saturn was passing in front of the sun. I would have loved to have seen it. Maybe if I had lived out where I used to live, out in West Texas, with the telescopes, I would have done so. But I just thought, you know, it would have been a nice thing to do. But it did not capture my imagination enough to go and make myself actually be witness to such a wonder as that. So I just think that's awesome. What? Uh, I've always been attracted to uh, the night sky. I can remember as an eight or nine year old laying out on my driveway looking up at the stars. Um, and then, uh, well, you're talking about going out to, uh, to West Texas. Mm -hmm. I, I had a, a very inspirational trip one time to Fort Davis, Texas. Which is where I lived for 17 years. The McDonald Observatories. Mm -hmm. I uh, had a good friend of mine that had a uh, Dobsonian telescope with a 36-inch mirror. You had to stand at the top of a 12-foot ladder if you were looking at a star in the zenith of the sky. And uh, he invited me to go out there, and we set that up in the field below those observatories and spent a week just observing the heavens. Wow. And uh, that was uh, a very inspirational trip. And, we always talked also, you know, kind of hypothesized about the star that led the Magi to uh, uh, Jesus, mm -hmm. Jesus' birth. Uh, so there's a lot of different threads, you know, um, that the sky can bring into your faith. Um, the, um, you know, even, uh, you know, Daniel who served in, uh, Babylonia mm -hmm. uh, was probably started the school uh, the, uh, for the Magi that followed the star to the east. Yeah. Um, and then, um, you know, then they hypothesized what was the star. Uh, you can do research, and you know, there's a lot of hypotheses, but it's very likely it was like a conjunction of planets uh, in the constellation of Leo, which was a significant constellation because it was Leo is a lion and mm -hmm. you know the tribe of Judah is kind of symbolic yeah. uh, of the lion and uh, when those planets can uh, had that conjunction in that in that constellation that was a significant event for people that study the sky yeah wow so just you know little things like that have really captured my, my, my interest in astronomy that's wonder upon wonder upon wonder. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, this season, 
one of the first Christmas carols I gravitated toward, I wonder as I wander out under the sky. That's a relatively new song compared to some of the other, other carols. Originated from the Appalachian. The folk artist who put words to that, it was a little child singing on a little street corner somewhere that kept singing that little phrase over and over again. And, and he captured that. But you know, just that whole sense of wonder, you know, just being caught in wonder, lost in wonder. In your opinion, is wonder innate? Or does it have to be cultivated? I think it probably probably has to be cultivated. Uh, we lose or we seem to lose our sense of wonder. Uh, in fact, one thing is that one of the things that keeps me in a sense of wonder is you know um, a lesson that you learn from uh, studying the Old Testament, where God's people, you know. They were present in all those events, you know, that God created. They saw God's awe. I mean, they had an awe for God. Mm -hmm. But when they lost that awe for God, that's when they tend to rebel. And I think if you keep that awe alive in your life, then you kind of keep God's presence and God's, uh, you know, just God's power in the forefront of your mind. And that kind of helps direct you when you make decisions and uh, when you act um, so yeah I think um, well the heavens declared the glory of God yeah. I mean so that's another thing that kind of keeps me aware uh, of God's awesome creation um, well you kindle the flame well you yeah. know one of the uh, things that have really stretched my mind was seeing what they call a gravitational lens. Mm -hmm. And a gravitational lens is where a galaxy, the light from one galaxy is bent by the light of another galaxy that's in front of it. And when we went out to McDonald Observatory with my friend, he showed me a gravitational lens. Mm. And uh, I think he described it as being eight billion light years away. Mm. And I saw that in real time. Wow. Although that, that light took 8 billion years to arrive. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> but just to, you know, to think about that kind of helps fertilize that sense of awe. Yeah. Wow. You're an audiologist. What are some of your favorite sounds? We kind of talked about sights and things you've witnessed. What are some of your favorite sounds? I like the sounds of chimes. Okay. Uh, they're usually high-pitched, they have a metallic tone, but they're also random because it's the wind that drives them, so you know, it's not a repetitive or a periodic uh, melody that's created, it's just a random, aperiodic wow. uh, song, wind song. Mm -hmm. uh, I think I like um, birds. Uh, the cacophony of uh, the morning when the birds are awaking, awaking yeah. and uh, kind of celebrating the sunrise. Seems like they just are singing out and singing praises. Yeah. Um, I like the sound of um, people singing. Uh, 
groups like the Mormon Tabernacle Choir, they create an awesome sound. Um, it's not just one per although one person, a soloist, can also create a good sound, but when you get a group of people that harmonize, it's just really an amazing experience. Mm -hmm. I th think the sound of a violin or any stringed instrument, but a violin and a cello is also very pleasant to uh, listen to. Um, so those are probably some of my favorite sounds. That's cool. I knew I'd get a good response from that. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit different question. What does grace sound like to you? does grace sound like? How about the sound of a waterfall? Uh, I think that's graceful because you think of being washed. In fact, a lot of times when we go hiking, we'll intentionally hike two waterfalls. Mm -hmm. And uh, after, you know, a short hike, we'll reach the waterfall and I like to take my shoes and socks off and sit by a rock and let the water flow over my feet because it just refreshes them. Yeah. It also numbs them, <laughs> uh, but it's you know it's just a good feeling to to have that water flowing over you and yeah. knowing that you're being cleaned and refreshed and just purified. It's good. It's good. How has redemption and grace played a part in your story? Your journey of life. Mm, it's been a major factor in my life. Uh, I was, I guess, as far as grace goes, um, I was raised in a church as a youth. Uh, I left the church when I was sixteen. Against you know the wishes of my parents, kind of got into a party and scene, like to be the party goer. Mm -hmm. um, then I had a traumatic experience when my mother died at the age of 25, and that kind of awakened me to uh, to I guess my sins of my youth mm -hmm. and the failures that they had led to. And uh, it was actually a confession that I had made to my father after my mom had died and he led me into that prayer, the sinner's prayer, mm -hmm. and I truly experienced what was intentional. I mean, I intentionally accepted Christ mm -hmm. at, that, at that moment and I felt grace. Yeah. So. Wow. How do you hear God? You know, or, or uh, where and when do you hear God in your life? Well, I definitely hear Him when I, uh, I still, I can't say I'm as disciplined as I used to about, you know, my divine reading, but I do read Scripture as often as I can. I do make it a habit, uh, a simple habit of getting up early in the morning. I like to go walking. I usually get up around four o'clock in the morning, mainly because that's the best time to see shooting stars. Mm -hmm. 
and I will go walk in and I, you know, I'm always looking for a shooting star. I'm looking up at the sky. Um, I think I hear them uh, in a sunrise. I mean, there's nothing more colorful than uh, the sun, you know, as it rises in the morning mm -hmm. against the dark sky, and then it, you know you got the orange hues, the yellow hues, the and then just the the rainbow of, of colors that just kind of light up the morning sky, mm -hmm. and uh, I just I hear them when I'm watching that. I hear them when I'm just being still and closing my eyes and just not doing anything. I just, I mean, I intentionally set aside time where I can just quiet my mind and just really not think about anything, just yeah. empty it and just say, God, speak, you know, just speak to me. Yeah, when we do that, we discipline ourselves to do that. He does, He will. He will honor that prayer. And that's some of the best sounds you can ever hear. Solitude. That's what I think. In all those places you talked about where you hear God, I hear Him there too. I had a moment this summer. It was on summer solstice, June 21st. just happened to be at Glacier National Park. And I'd read about Alpenglow, but I'd never experienced it. And it's that pre-dawn just rapturous color and I awakened to it uh, it was almost as if God nudged me to see what was right out that window and I, I had to get out in it and I was out went out down by the lake I was just in total awe at the glory of God and that's it. It's all around us all the time. It is. It is absolutely around us. Yeah. You just got to keep your eyes open for it. Yeah. There's a lot of distractions out there that will blind you to God's glory. Um, I know I had briefly mentioned the gravitational lens earlier, but mm -hmm. one of my most awakening experiences was the uh, Leonid's meteor shower of uh, 2001. Okay. Uh, and a meteor shower, well that, that was actually a meteor storm, <laughs> but a, a meteor shower is when the Earth's uh, orbit goes through the path of a comet, and uh, the debris from the uh, comet passing, you know, creates meteors, meteors coming, coming in. Well, some friends and I had gone out camping in the country uh, to watch this. It was extremely cold that night, and uh, we had set up tents, and uh, we're going to go to sleep and get up at 2 o'clock in the morning to start watching this meteor storm. Well, when 2 o'clock came around, I looked out the window of my tent, and just peeking out the window, I saw three or four shooting stars. Mm. So I got up. I encouraged my other three friends to get up too, but they didn't want to get out in the cold weather. <laughs> <laughs> but I got dressed and I got up and I watched for three and a half hours a shooting star at least every five seconds. Wow. 
It was the most incredible experience. And again, we talked about Leo, the constellation Leo, the significance of that. That's where these shooting stars were radiating from, uh, was the constellation Leo. And that was in 2001, and that really kind of inspired me to really grow as far as, you know, spiritually. Mm -hmm. After seeing an event like that, it just increased my awe. Wow. And knew that, you know, God was present. God caused that. Uh, You can explain it, you know, scientifically, but, I mean, God created the path of that orbit for that comet. Mm -hmm. He created the path of the orbit for the Earth to go through that path of the comet and then to create that event. So if you make the connections, I mean, you can't help but to think about, hey, there's something greater than me out there. Yeah. That carol, do you hear what I hear, that I use to start off asking you questions. You know, those are questions, and we hear them sung, and we hear the response, and it's all pretty quick. But, you know, do you hear what I hear? Do you see what I see? Do you know what I know? In order to receive a full or the fullest answer possible to each one of those questions requires a certain pace of life that's not the normal one promoted out there that we keep. But it's again, it, it's there. It's uh, astounding. Uh, wow. Why are we? What are we doing sitting in Christmas? <laughs> we need uh, to get out there. Well, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, I mean, well, yeah. As soon as we leave here, I'm going to go do something. <laughs> yeah, you, you, you cannot not do it after sitting here and talking. You know about these different things. Yeah. Or do you already have plans? Uh, well. No, I don't have plans, but I'm going to be, uh, I'm going to be looking. I mean, yeah. I just, it's, it's kind of like, you know, you just got to, you just got to be looking. Mm-hmm. Uh, you got to take time to look. Uh, I was in my backyard one time looking at a spider web. Uh, my daughter doesn't like this, but <laughs> I intentionally let spider webs grow in my backyard because mm-hmm. I'm fascinated with the geometric design uh, and the patience that a spider has you know, to just wait there for its food. So I was uh, standing in my backyard one afternoon, looking at the spider web, looking at the spider in the middle of the web, and just all of a sudden I heard this buzzing. And a bee came past my head and flew right into that spider web. And before I could even blink my eyes, that spider had jumped on that bee and started wrapping him up. Wow. And that's just something, if, you, if I hadn't been looking, I, I would have totally missed that. Yeah. And uh, so that was a random event, but I was looking, and I was happened to witness that. Yeah. Have you ever, I'm sure you've done this, camping, take your flashlight, go out, look for spiders at night? Because their eyes are like jewels. Like jewels? Little big jewels, you know, glistening jewels, different colors. And you can go out and find them. I mean, just, you know, it just, and it's amazing when you do that. Wow, how many there are. Uh, yeah. But that's what it's, what it's like. It's, uh, 
Well, uh, bio, bioluminicity is also something that I'm interested in. And, You're going to uh, have we, to explain that one for me. <laughs> uh, it's kind of like fluorescence. Okay, okay. So, um, and we got a special spot in Alabama called Dismal Canyon. I've been there. You've been there? I've okay. been there, yes. So they have these little larva glow worms. Uh, it's only, I think there's two, maybe three spots in the world where they where they exist, mm -hmm. but you go into the canyon uh, at night and you see these little glow worms, kind of like looking, they look like stars in the sky, but they're on the canyon walls. Uh, but that's just, you know, something that, and what they do is they're, they're shining their light, they create these little webs around their little spots and as they glow at night, then they attract insects and then that's what, what they eat. Yeah. Uh, but it, that's, you know, that's, that's just an amazing thing to 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 see. Yeah. Uh, but it's right here in our great state of Alabama. Yeah. Uh, I'm con continually caught up in the the skies, the waterfowl, the ducks, the geese, the symmetry of how they fly, and and all of that, and it's that that. Just a simple moment of watching them pass by can totally turn my head, turn my day, uh, increase my heart rate. <laughs> so well, it's been a good conversation. It's been rich. I, I like to say, I, I want to get out. I want to go go see something. Uh, it, it, I'm just reminded as we've been talking. Once again, you know, God is always like, hey, I got something. I want to show you this. I've got a gift just for you. This is going to make your day. You know, look what I've created. It's like always on display around us. We're in a Christmas season, and to me, it's the most wondrous time of the year where. There's so much awe and focus on a baby coming into this world, Jesus. And he, was the, he is the determining factor of all of life. God so loved the world that He sent His only begotten Son. And uh, it's just been a good time for those listening to turn the podcast off and go and experience what's happening all around you. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Robert. I appreciate you, uh, your patience with me to make me slow down in this conversation because uh, I kind of came in galloping from a, from a day. So you've taught well, me a good pace. Well, it's been a gr great experience sharing some of my experiences with you. Yeah. Next time we do this, it'll have to be, we'll have to have the table outside like a... <laughs> like a bonfire we'll have you know we'll, we'll roast the hot dogs and we'll <laughs> we'll have s'mores great idea yeah, man i appreciate you my friend i appreciate you uh, I, we got to go camping we got to go hiking we need to you got to conquer that grand canyon yes yes i've been halfway through it been to the bottom i've been to the bottom twice once on mule but i've hiked to the bottom but i went down the kaibab trail came back up the kaibab trail 
So I would like to go rim to rim. That's on my on my list of things I would like to do. Who knows? Twenty twenty one may be the year. Twenty twenty one. All right, man. Well, thank you, my friend. All right, thank you. And uh, every Monday morning we kick off the podcast. Very simple in, in, invitation. Uh, table of redemption. Your or <laughs> I always mess this up. Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Would you sign us off? Party of Redemption, your table is now available. Thank you, Michael.